Welcome, hearty adventurers, to the season finale of RTFM Monster Season. Unfurl, open that parchment textured brain of yours and spin those pages back. We're talking about Dungeons and Dragons 3rd Edition as part of our regular dip into D&D. This time, it's number three. This time, it's D&D Max Edition. It's Max's Edition. Max is Max. I am still Aaron. We're going it alone. We have split the party. Uh, I don't know. It's D&D. It's 3rd Edition. What do you want to know? It was released in the year 2000. Which is 11 years after AD&D 2nd edition. Uh, AD&D 1st edition was uh, in 77 through 79 it was rolled out. So depending on how you look at it, 20 plus years since the previous edition. This was the first time D&D was released by Wizards of the Coast. uh, Who were rich from making Magic the Gathering. And so they bought... D&D from TSR. And, and made it more racist than ever before. <laughs> it's, Spoiler well, alert. Uh, we'll get into that, I guess. Um, <laughs> mainly designed by Monty Cook, Skip Williams, and Jonathan Tweet, who we have, I think, mentioned all. They were all D&D designers. Jonathan Tweet was an indie designer. Um, over the he's edge. A, he's a bad man, right? Right. Well, he yeah. like said some weird biological essentialism. There are worse. <laughs> shocking. Shocking that worse... that would be his view having written this <laughs> right. game. There are worse takes. It was like a, I don't know. I don't want to get into it. Anyway, Tweet wrote the lion's share of this player's handbook that we're reading. Um, just to go over like the main changes, we, we'll get into them more as we talk about the book. Uh, expanded combat. Uh, the combat chapters have minis and grid map in the examples. Uh, the sorcerer is a playable class. There is ascending armor class. No more Thaco. Uh, almost everything is based on the D20 role, which I really want to get into. It was presented under the open game license, the OGL, which meant that people could release supplements, hacks, and settings without needing permission from wizards. Uh, the book did get a slight revision in 2003 with the 3.5 edition. And then Pathfinder was published and, in 2008. Perfected. <laughs> uh, used a lot of the system, and that was at least partially in response to the tighter gaming license that was coming with D&D 4th Edition. Pathfinder was published by Paizo, who had previously been publishing the Dungeon Magazine and Dragon Magazine for D&D since 2002. Love those. Uh, yeah, I have a ton of old lived, lived on those copies of those. Yeah, same. I could rarely afford a full book, but I could afford a you know eight dollar magazine and then try to reverse engineer the game from those. Um, that's the history, I guess. Yeah. I have a distinct memory of being at the mall in Onalaska, Wisconsin, uh, and running into some friends there who were coming out of like a B. Dalton or Walden books. I forget which. They were both in this mall. And one of them was like, we got the new Dungeons and Dragons. And seeing this crazy cover with like fake leather, fake gems and metal inset and thinking, that looks pretty cool. That looks fucking cool as shit. I, in the year 2000, is this true? In the year 2000. Yeah, moved from my small island of 2,000 people on the western coast of Canada to the big, 
gigantic city of Toronto, <laughs> where I became immediately depressed. <laughs> uh, possibly I was depressed before, but I had a wretched time entering high school um, as as a as a young thirteen year old. Uh, fat out butch dyke <laughs> it's not a great time for me uh and the thing that like no word of a lie saved me was finding being invited to a dungeons and dragons group uh by an old grouchy turns out totally shitty gay man who worked with my mother uh and it now I'm like it's a little weird that you like invited I think I was 14 I think I lived in Toronto for a year my mom had had this job for like less than a year or whatever and this man invited me to play D&D with him and I was like that sounds great uh, and I went and played with his entirely adult D&D group every Friday night for literal years <laughs> for most of Damn. my teenage years uh, and that is where I met Adam uh, who has been on the podcast, who's one of my favorite people in the entire earth. Um, and I very warmly associate third edition largely with Adam. Uh, so I am not able to be objective about this game. Unlike <laughs> uh, all other episodes where you were fully yeah, super objective. Objective. Uh, I have, I have overwhelmingly warm feelings about third edition. Um, even though the person that we, the game that we played in, the game that we met each other in was a, uh, it just had like every weird, bad, possible D&D stereotype thing that you could think of, except it was all gays. Uh, and so like we had the antagonistic GM and we had like inappropriate sexual advances and all of that stuff. It was just a gay man. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a good time. It was, it's only like, in looking back that it became very like oh those things were all very bad but when i was a teenager it was very much so like oh i'm a nerd i've lived in this tiny small town forever and have had no outlet for any of my nerddom um because my family is not nerdy <laughs> so like i'm the only and like nobody there are seven people in my class and they all kind of like play sports and i don't know we listen to a lot of rap music and none of them wanted to do nerdy things and so i just like read a lot of fantasy novels by myself as a youth <laughs> and it was the first time that i had like that i actually found any kind of friends or community around it and so overlooked a lot of the uh, sketchy things and started going to conventions this is my this is my gateway drug uh i was done third edition i, I was over it i was not engaged at that point wow wow how enlightened of you well, I, I, I went I mean, hard this is yeah. the most i've ever played any game with the, like with the most consistency like video or rpg like this is yeah i don't think i played until 2008 third edition um i paid yeah, yeah i was I started like in 2001 and i stopped when fifth edition like we also skipped fourth edition and we're just playing pathfinder and i didn't go back to a D, &D thing until fifth edition so i think i played it for i want to say like a whole fucking decade i mean i think fifth edition came out in in 2014 mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so yeah. yeah um i don't know where do we start it's a big book 
It's a gigantic book. It I <laughs> the art. We can start on a positive note with the art. It's cute. Yeah, the it art gets... is great. There's a lot of uh, kind of almost field diagrams of different characters and the armor and stuff that is really nice. Uh, some fully painted stuff. I'm just gonna read the artist's name because sometimes I forget and I want to make sure. Uh, Lars Grant West, Scott Fisher, John Foster, Todd Lockwood, who uh, whose signature I saw on a lot of pieces I liked. Uh, David Martin. Arnie Sweckel, sorry if that's not how you pronounce your name, Arnie, and Sam Wood. Um, yeah, the art's really good. Uh, a, a range of like black and white pencil stuff, fully rendered painted stuff. Some of the pictures stretch across two pages, like it'll be a bad wizard shooting a lightning bolt across a page to be dodged by the hero on the other page. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. I like it it is so nostalgic for me like i just spent so much time looking at it specifically when i was rereading it and got to the equipment section i don't know why that was what hit me but it was like the equipment illustrations are just like like pencil drawings well they're probably ink but they have that like pencil-y sketch kind of vibe uh and yeah they i spent so much time in the equipment section of this book uh that i feel like yeah i had really strong emotional responses to going back through it um but the art is good the art is the the thing that's really easy to say is good about this oh yeah each class has uh like a a signature character Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that gets a little name next to them when they're introduced and then throughout the book like those are the characters used in examples and stuff which i think is a neat little touch yeah, it's cute. I'm very fond of the, the, the dwarf fighter that fights the dragon. There's a, yeah. there's a very good, almost full-page little piece of art that has uh, the dwarf hanging onto the dragon's nose. And it's like new characters, I think, for this edition. Like, 5th edition has dipped back into the well of, like, Drizzt Doerden and all the, you know, yeah. AD&D secondary people. These are new. I like that. Is I like... The, do you know if the all of the religion stuff is new for... Um, a lot of them are like, pulled from different. Like, yeah, I, I my my gut was like, did they pull them from like, you know, Dragon Magazine over the years and like smaller releases, or did they I, like? I'm trying to find the page. I think it's from like a mix of Greyhawk and Forgotten Realms. And I have to like tell that. you that I this is my most ignored page. Uh, when I got to reading it again, all of the all of the deities, I was like, I have I spent no time on this yeah, page. Yeah, it's because you hate playing clerics and paladins. Well, I do, but also like I don't I don't know anybody who plays in D and D lore. Right. Like nobody, um, and nobody was like I didn't I didn't I was never in like nobody at conventions was playing D and D lore. Like everybody was like, no, you just homebrew your own world. So of yeah. course they're not. This is not what we're going to use. But yes, I do also hate clerics and paladins. My paladin hate starts because of this book, which if you read how paladins are described, makes sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they are these cops. are from older editions. Like definitely Corellin Lorethian was an elf god. St. Cuthbert is like a character from the original Gary Gagas game. Vecna is in here. Yeah, um, Vecna. But it's not... They don't say, like, this is D&D and you'll be playing in the Forgotten Realms, which is kind of what they do with 5th edition. Mm-hmm. Um, they just kind of, I think, supply these things as, like, here are some ways to think about it. Yeah, like, uh, you're going to need deities if you want to play clerics or paladins. So, Right. 
yeah. here are some options for you and here's kind of how religion works i will say that presumably the i don't know paladin cleric the illustration of the the dwarf on the religion page he's he's badass yeah and the god symbols are really cool they're like yeah. full color little emblems you know i could see totally making a copy and cutting one out and like here is your oh, holy drew, symbol you found i drew a lot of this book in yes like sketchbooks and whatever when i was fucking <laughs> 14 years old yeah it's uh, good it's good art it's good art it's a bad game though <laughs> I can like objectively understand like there's a reason I left it behind I just yeah. have like positive associations with it but like it is especially it's really interesting now coming back to it and seeing that like this is when they got really racist right like there is there is the conversation that you can have around advanced D&D or whatever where you know elves and dwarves are their own classes and so there's still some elements of like bioessentialism happening in there but like this is where they started carving out that you want to play this race of character you get these bonuses to these abilities you have they have favored classes right like you they yeah they the really favorite classes I mean, them up. in in ad and i don't think we saw it because we just covered that first quest thing um races got bonuses to certain stats and they were limited to certain classes but the stats did not have as big an effect on you in the game. Um, third edition here is where we first see that breakdown of like, at 10 strength, you get plus zero. At 12, you get plus one, blah, blah, blah. And those bonuses are essential to the whole system, the mechanics of the whole game. When you roll a d20, you're going to be adding one of those bonuses plus uh, some skill bonuses. Skills were not necessary. There were proficiencies in the old one in AD&D, um, but even those were like semi-optional. Uh, but this is, we've boiled down the system to every roll will be a D20 plus an ability score modifier, and then potentially plus your you know base attack bonus or skill bonus or saving throw bonus. And that is across the board, thieves abilities are now skills, uh, proficiencies, all that stuff. It's all the same unified system. Um, it's rough. And when I encountered that, well, I, I don't want to go off on that yet, but yeah, so the race you pick has an immediate and direct effect of like 5 to 10% bonus on specific things and really lim like you could be a half-orc wizard, but you would be really bad at it. Well, they also do this thing with like XP where like... Oh, right. And like multi-classing as well. Yeah. And so you do actually like you are really, really, really pushed into picking the class that is your race's favorite class. If you want to like. Min-max. Well, if you, yeah, but also or just even like if you, you just don't want to be just suck, average, right? Like, right. yeah, the, the thing about third edition, which is part of why I don't like it, and this is still present in fifth edition. The thing about third edition forward, because fifth edition is not in my mind meaningfully different. Um, I think you're right even though there are a lot of words that have changed. <laughs> I do not think the <laughs> fundamental game style, it is incredibly easy. Like fifth edition feels like the difference between like three and 3.5 and 3.5 to Pathfinder. And then Pathfinder, the fifth edition is like, oh yeah, you don't really have to do anything. You can jump right through. Yeah. Um, but, and the thing about it is like it, this maybe is weird. This is maybe getting too, in, too deep into the weeds really early on, but like it sucked it sucked to be bad at stuff in third edition. It sucks to be bad at stuff in D&D. &D. It, 
is not fun to be bad at stuff in D&D because there are so many numbers and there's so much, there's such a huge focus on progression and balance and power that when you separate out like that 10% from your, from your ability score change will impact your game and it will not be positive in any way, shape or form, <laughs> right? Like if you go against convention of what these numbers want you to do, it's not a fun go against convention, you know, right. it's just punishing. There is no benefit. Uh, and so it, and that thing, those are things that you feel quite a bit like this game really wants people to play their good builds, which as an adult now I hate as a game design ethos. As a, as a 14 year old, I was like, I'm going to make the perfect build. Yeah. Well, mm. and that's, uh, so the Ennies, uh, Boo. Are, yes. <laughs> are, they came from N world, which is a forum and E N is always capitalized. And I, I want to say his name was Eric North. It was started from like Eric North's D and D optimization forums or something. Mm-hmm. And so you would go on these forums and post your, builds and get critiques and people would be like if you're a paladin here's the top five feats you have to take and then here's some middle ranked ones and if you you know here's a broken build if you take this book and this book and this other thing from this book and like that is foundational to rpg culture I didn't, today i didn't know like, that and that sound that makes so much sense as to <laughs> right why they exist, how they um, exist and so yeah the, that optimization forum became n-world which became the Ennies. Um, yeah, Even it's out there. Boo. What a terrible history. <laughs> um, yeah, it's bad. It's not good. And as a teenager, I was like really into it. And there are things that I feel fondly about because I have, you know, positive emotional feelings about it. But like, and because when I changed from one group, from the, the group I started learning how to play in, was not good to go against convention. And then I left that group and started playing with Adam kind of exclusively for a really long time. And that, and then it didn't matter. Then I was in a, a place where we were all committed to just having a fun time. So we just fucked with the rules as we saw fit. Yes. Um, which I think is 90% of how this game is played. Uh, <laughs> is people just like, I, I, again, I don't remember entering a single D and D table of which I have played at many with many people many whom of were strangers at conventions and whatever where people played rules as written everybody had their this is my homebrew this is my table rule this is whatever nobody played rules as written because the rules are bad as written <laughs> no no there is not i never met a i have never met a single person who thinks that the rules as written of D are good and should stay how they are even the biggest D fan people i think they're out there like if you were on forums and stuff like these optimization forums like the rules as written was like this is what we want because when we master these we can exploit them we can find the loopholes and i think you're right i don't know how often that stuff hit a table but people were engaging with them that that way as character creation games on forums and it's like Which that I is a is... way of playing D. It's the OC generator thing yeah. that Christian talked about in our Star Wars episode, and Josh uh, from our Patchwork ep- ep- World episode has been like posting about on Twitter in fun ways of like how can we recreate this experience 
Um, go check out Ostrich Monkey Games on Tumblr. But it's also why you have such a bad play culture, right? Like yes. every yeah. shitty thing that everybody has talked about where they've had a bad GM or they've had players that are really rules lawyering, like that's why you have that. Right. <laughs> Is people, because like you can't actually play a long session of D or a long campaign. Well, most people don't, whatever. I'm sure you could. But like before the GM starts to make up their own monsters, for example, or make up their own NPCs, right? And then on some level, they're fudging the math. <laughs> Like, or they're spending hours. Yeah, and even doing then, the it's like, exactly well, it's kind right. of like a like a where bear from here and this. Like, I've taken this from this, and I've taken yeah. this from this, and I've used the XP breakdown to put it at CR one and a half or what. Like, and it's just like nobody gives a shit, my dude. I guarantee. Well, and I like I say do. that as somebody who spent like a lot of time <laughs> doing that. I'm just yeah. saying that, like, you know, you learn and then you progress. Yeah. Well, <laughs> some people beings. learn and they don't progress. That's true. Um, I have seen third edition defended as good because if you see a monster do something, you can find those feats and spells that let you do that thing. So if you saw a lich do something super cool, somewhere out there in the tons of supplements are the feats and spells to become a lich, the feats and spells that let them do this cool thing, blah, 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 down the road. Like the monster's... And the PCs operated under the exact same mechanical systems. And some people really like that or take comfort in it. Um, all of the stuff that I'm saying is like not a defense of the game, but just like. Oh, yeah. I think that like the people are out there. Totally. And like whatever. It's the you know most successful RPG in the history of RPGs. So like whatever. But, I think fifth edition is better. Well, that's what I mean. That's what I mean uh, like d Not better, but oh, right. Yeah. Um, like fifth edition wouldn't have been if third hadn't been you know like there's not like the the path to the path to billion dollar industry dominations i in my mind starts at third edition yeah i think um, you're right because it starts with wizards of the coast for sure right like that's they already they already knew how to dominate an industry when D entered the entered the the rink but i yeah there's i think it's like again it's fine. Play. Can I ask quickly? You yeah. said entered the rink. I did. We do not say that in America. I don't think we also said that up here. But I was th- trying to think of the like the because we say enter the fight. ring like a boxing yeah. ring. But I would. I was hoping that it was a Canadian way of. It being is like... now. I've decided. <laughs> As opposed to my brain just borking, we'll just say it's a Canadianism. I love it. I love it. Uh, there is a lot of arguing about how much fighting there is in hockey and how that's overtaken and uh, ruined the sport of hockey. So mm. it could be, uh, it could be, it is possible that that could be a statement to the Canadians yeah. would say. The phrase has now entered the rink of yeah. uh, We're here now. use. Uh, yeah, and like, I don't know, I like, thir- I like third edition better than fifth edition, but that's just because there were, that's the, what, is, what lives in my brain. And if you're right. going to go crunchy and tactical and balanced like i do think there is something in it there's something to be said for like if you want something tactical then you need then do you need balance on some level right like you do need fair yeah every day on reddit i see someone saying uh i want something with a lot of uh character options but that isn't complicated and i'm always like that's not you can't like i mean there are ways i'm sure but it's just sort of like they're like i want a lot of different ways to make characters and be good at things without complicated mechanics and it's sort of like 
You either go to Amber Diceless, where your character is the best at it and can do anything with fighting because they have five fighting and everyone else, you know, or you do this kind of crunchy thing and it's it's funny. Like I see, I like what you're saying of like people get into it and then change their mind and become morally better. Like as part of me just wants to be like, buddy, just play a fun game. It's funny because I'm, I mean, as as we kind of know, I'm playing Baldur's Gate right now, um, which I don't know if Baldur's Gate 3 was, is based off of 5th edition or if it's based off of 3rd edition because the development would have been started so long ago. Like it's like it was like 10 years in the making or something. So I actually don't know. It has proficiency bonus, right? Mm, it does seem to, yes. Yeah, I think it's 5th edition. But like you said, it's not hard to take something. If they were halfway through the game in 3.5 and then they were like, oh, actually do 5th, it, it's not that hard. Yeah, uh, it does use 5th edition. Again, they're so similar, it's very hard to know. <laughs> like having played a bunch of 5th edition, my brain would often just like revert to 3rd edition rules and nobody noticed. Yeah. Um, and and I do think that like it works well in that format because it's fun to do tactical combat when things are balanced, when you know how all these things interplay, when you have all these options, when you can steal scrolls from things so you can do the spell. Like you can do that. Oh, I saw them do a cool thing. I want to learn how to do that cool thing. Um, I just think it's like boring as shit around a table when talking to other human beings and trying to tell a story. Like I don't... Yes. There is, this to me is also the like, a lot of the stories are wrapped up in the mechanics of third edition and they do favor combat. Most of them exist for combat and I don't necessarily think that's bad. Like I'm fine playing a combat centric game if the combat is compelling and I, which is why like when I was playing D&D a lot of, what's funny is when I was playing a lot of D&D, Adam is very narrative heavy <laughs> and so which is, I think, why we played a lot of home-brewed things. And I do not think that what we were playing was really Dungeons & Dragons. But when I was GMing, it would always be about trying to make really compelling and fun uses of the combat system. Like, I did not run away from it. <laughs> I was like, no, what I like is tactical combat, so I'm going to make this really elaborate. I'm going to spend a week planning this really elaborate battle that's going to like have all these puzzles within them that need to be solved. And like, I enjoyed, which is like a thing, I enjoyed the max versus the players element of that, right? Because that's what that is. That is not character versus character. That is player versus player role-playing. Tactical combat. And... I enjoyed that and can enjoy that. I don't think that a lot of people who play D&D want to do that. <laughs> we got to get we got to get you here in person so we can play 4th edition. I yeah. really think you would love it. Can meet me in uh Portland. Uh, Portland, Maine? Yep. Yeah. I can take a ferry. <laughs> I could do that. Yeah. Uh but yes, that's, a, I mean, a lot of that is not necessarily like, here's the things about the unique rules. It just is like, that is the part that drew me to it. It's like, I really liked that tactical combat element for a long time because like, that was where, because I, because I'm not theatrical is really where it is or because I'm not a uh, strong in character role player. And so I like the parts that are mechanical and are kind of third person and D&D &D might be the reason I'm not very comfortable being a... <laughs> Uh, in character role player because 
it's really hard to go on a rant about what your character is doing and then be like, oh, wait, I need to roll decipher whatever to right. determine I need to roll innuendo, which is a skill yeah. in this game. <laughs> and I only put in four skill ranks, and it's not a class skill for me, which means I only get plus two, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that part was fun. You liked that picture, I, eh? <laughs> no, so I, when I did play 3.5 in 2008, I remember... Um, they like didn't have a rogue or bard or anything. So I was like, oh, I'll make a thief. And they're like, oh, but there's a lot of combat. You should make a fighter thief. And so I did. Um, and I found like a cool prestige class. Is that what they're called? Yeah. Which are not in this version, but are in 3.5. But it was like immediately I was like, oh, this sounds really cool. I want to do some of this. And then they were like, oh, but you have to have, like, this rank in the dancing skill. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's fine. And it's like, oh, but it's not actually a class skill. So then I had to pump tons of skill points into dancing. And then all of a sudden I was bad at my roles because I had spent so much, so many points on this other thing to, like, gain entry into this thing that was actually not that useful. I don't know. It was, the players were great. Um... I had a fun time that I had dropped out of school and I'd gone back and this guy that ran like student activities, uh, a faculty guy invited me to this game as a way of saying like, Hey, you're sort of a non-trad student at this point. You're trying to come back. Like here's a way in socially was super nice. I've made, you know, I'm still friends with some of the people in that game. Uh, one of them is Andrew Lee Swan player on friends at the table. I don't remember if I've said that on this podcast before, but um, great person to play games with. I'm glad he's doing it semi-professionally now. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I, you know, it was a great social experience, but that experience was divorced from the rules. And sometimes the rules felt to be actively working against that. Oh my God. Always, yeah. always. They definitely, yeah, there's not, I tried to like play, I don't know against against the rules sometimes i feel like often and it didn't ever feel that great unless i was in a group of people who were all doing it but like the second and i also know that from behind the scenes like i pulled a lot of punches when i was playing with standard monsters right like i pulled a lot of punches because it was like i fudged a lot of dice rolls because it was like oh you know you wanted to play a half-orc bard, and therefore you're operating at, like, 75% capacity or whatever. <laughs> and I don't want to like kill you. Just like in real life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't want to kill you because you made a cool choice. Um, but the game wants me to kill you because you made a cool choice. Uh, right. A cool choice narrowly. out of mechanics, right, yes. equals a bad choice mechanically. Yeah. Yeah. And um, some of the mechanics in this game are truly just appalling like the the sometimes you have to think like sometimes i have to pull back and think like multiple people had to say yes to this for this to get into print right the Um, feet bullshit is so hard (laughs) so feats you take them everyone takes them it's not like 5e where they're optional um fighters get more feats that they can only pick from a certain list um and it so many of the feats are about ameliorating penalties Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. oh if you attack with a second offhand weapon, that's, that's going to be a minus eight. 
But if you take this first feat, it's minus four instead. I literally in my notes have two weapon fighting, the worst mechanic ever designed, question mark. (laughs) Really just just a horrible mechanic. (laughs) And again, by the time you become, right, by the time you become good at two weapon fighting and you can attack with a second weapon without penalty, someone else has taken a bunch of cool ass feats that let them do extra things instead of ameliorating a penalty. And it's just like, I'm still back here with my two weapons. Is that cool? And people are like doing crazy flips and whirlwind attacks and stuff. And it's two just weapon like, fighting. I'm going to read the two weapon fighting penalty yeah, table because this is what I did play a character that went for the two weapon fighting just to see how it went. Yeah. Uh, and it's rough. So you have your primary hand, you have your offhand. They have different penalties. Um, circumstance, normal penalty penalties are minus six and minus 10 offhand weapon is light minus four, minus eight ambidexterity feet minus six, minus six. Why you would just, what the fuck? Why <laughs> two weapon fighting feet minus four, minus eight offhand there weapon is. is light and ambidextrous dexterous feet minus four, minus four offhand weapon is light and two weapon fighting feet minus two, minus six ambidextrous feet and two weapon fighting feet minus four, minus four offhand weapon is light and ambidextrous feet and two weapon fighting feet minus two, minus two. So you also can't get rid of all of them, right? You are always going to be operating. Right. I'm sure at, at some point in a book, there's like advanced two weapon fighting. I think there is advanced two. Weapon if you have somewhere. this and you are at, Plus I think zero, there's improved. I think it's in this book. I think there's okay. improved two weapon fighting, but it's just not in the table. I forget. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's truly like the point at which so you get a feat every four levels, right? And you get one at first level. And they also have requirements in order to meet the next one that can be like stats or a previous feat or whatever. Um, and so I don't I did not do the math, but I should have. But I think that before you can get to two weapon fighting and ambidexterity. Is there two up and fighting? There is improved two up and fighting. Uh, so in order to get to the point where you aren't having any penalties, in order to get to improved two up and fighting, you have to have a base attack bonus of plus nine or higher, which means the fastest you could get there is ninth level fighter. Right. It takes so long right. to How get to ninth level to fighters. Ninth level? Exactly. I've, again, every Friday night for literal years, and I think we got to level 13. <laughs> like I've never played a high level D and D campaign, and like I imagine it's wretched just keeping track. Because the other thing is like uh, this feat gives you a plus two feat bonus to this thing, and this other feat gives you a plus two situational bonus, and this weapon gives you a plus two situational bonus, but you can't stack with this other situational bonus, so you have to choose one. And then there's like an untyped bonus, and you have it's multiple untyped bonuses to highlight just, that this is before apps this game <laughs> yes. is before you had an app on your phone that did all this map before you we are talking about the year 2000 we had just survived y2k computers functioned but barely in comparison to how they function now i remember but also they functioned forums. much more reliably That's in certain ways i like remember scouring forums to try 12 different autofill pdfs or like spreadsheets to try and figure out which the best character sheet was forever and it like nobody figured it out until years and years and years later how to make them actually like work really smoothly uh yeah it's a lot it was a lot and it's like really a wretched 
a wretched use of numbers, especially when it's not being, and it still is, right? Like D&D still is a wretched use of numbers. So that's why I say fifth edition, I don't think is meaningfully different because I don't know anybody now that plays fifth edition without D&D Beyond because nobody wants to do the fucking math. Uh, I love D&D colon subtitle a wretched use of numbers (laughs) this is my this is my game design book that i'm gonna write when i'm like 45 and angry or whatever a wretched use of numbers is an amazing game design book title uh that alone is worth it close the podcast (laughs) there we're gonna write a book now we're not podcasters we're writing a book Uh, um i do i can we get into the unified mechanic yeah so this was, I don't know if it was the first role-playing game to have a unified mechanic, but that was a design goal for them. Um, instead of Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, where it was like attack rolls were a d20, maybe plus strength stuff if you had really high strength. Saving throws were also a d20, but maybe you wanted to roll low on saving throws, I forget. And then... St- Thief skills sometimes were like a D6. They were a chance out of a D6. Right. Um, And so 3rd edition made this big push to be D20 plus stat modifier plus maybe some other skill modifier. Like I said, base tap bonus. Except for weapon damage. (laughs) Right. Damage is never going to be D20. Um, You could do it. You could just do do minus different numbers. Well, Troika does it where like a 1 through three is one damage you know four through just have like a great axe is a d20 minus eight (laughs) don't want a wretched experience but that Uh, would be aligned (laughs) with this um but i heard that and i thought wow that's great it's really good you never have to tell someone what die do i have to roll it's almost always going to be. A you know 20. what? Every has come up, you know what phrase has come up in every single Dungeons and Dragons game I've ever played. What die do I roll? What for die that? do I? What roll? do I roll for that? But so right. So on the surface, hearing that it's it's like one of those funny fallacies, right? Where you mm-hmm. hear it and you go, "Oh, of course that's better. Of course a unified mechanic is better." Um, and I think for a long time that was a design goal in mainstream and indie games. Mm -hmm. Of like, have a unified role. Maybe sometimes it references a few different outputs, but you're always going to be rolling the same thing. The kind of math is is similar. You get a, you know, whatever, whatever. I would say that's still, I would argue that that's still largely the goal of games, including indie games, is this like simplified idea. Yes. Unfortunately, this was not simplified. It was a single mechanic that was unsimple. But the more I read other games... I love the way that different rolling mechanics, different outputs, different tables yeah. generate a different game feel. Um, we're going to cover Errant in the upcoming season by Ava Islam, which is, uh, I would describe in a very kind, meaningful way, a, a game of mini games. Um, and I love that. I yeah. I think more and more we are... I see people playing with like scales of time, you know, it, as the seasons pass, you're rolling this one thing and referencing this one chart. But as you get into moment to moment stuff, you're dealing with this skill based system. Um, I think the difficulty in learning those different systems has been over exaggerated historically. 
the idea that, oh, if you're doing a thief skill thing, you have to roll a d6, but if you're doing an attack, you have to roll a d20. Oh, how difficult. What a burden on players. Um, I don't think the burden is that big, and I think the, the different game feel that you get out of having those different things is really worthwhile and fun. Um, there's a classic Super Nintendo game called Act Razor, and at the start, it's a top-down strategy game and you're a weird angel representing the hand of god and you're like shooting lightning and building settlements and then sometimes it cuts to side scroller and you're like the knight of this god and this angel fighting some monsters and it's an amazing game and i to me that is what different roles and different outputs and different tables mean in a game is like we're switching modes now Everyone get out your D100. We're doing some weird D100 shit. And eventually we'll go back to D20 attack rolls and that'll be fine. But here is this like different carousing mode or something. Yeah, I mean, uh, we all have all of the dice. We all have our little... <laughs> we get all the dice. We come get all the dice. Together. Let us use all the dice. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, funny because that mentality of like, oh, that's really... It's going to be really difficult or complicated to learn that game is only based on people learning D&D. Right? Like, it's mm-hmm. the that only comes from people who have learned D&D. That ha- I have never heard that from somebody who learned Apocalypse World as their first game, or like, you write like literally any other it's game. It's so easy just to have a handout, and you're like, now we're doing seasonal play. Here's the handout. Yeah. It's D1. It says at the top clearly D100. Here are the possible things to do. Like, it's not hard if you have player and GM tools. Also, to be fair, a unified mechanic can be done. The, the the con the the goal the dream of the unified mechanic i believe could be done well this game is not <laughs> it right well and i think like games like into the odd do like one roll stuff right you never roll to hit you only roll damn or you know like yeah i don't know like people have done it and it's a game that's 20 pages long not 300 yeah, I mean, there's no part of this game that is simple, not a single section. Like, you could say that this game has many different mini games or, like, mini elements or whatever, or frames or lenses or however you want to talk about it, and none of it is simple. Um, <laughs> I stayed away for, like, years and years and years. I stayed away from playing any kind of spellcaster because... Ugh. I looked wretched. At, I looked a at wretched spell. use of math. <laughs> a wretched use of numbers. Uh, the Just the... Like spells per day versus spells known, and, and then sometimes you have spell slots, and yeah. sometimes you you're you're doing I forget what's fucking who cares it doesn't matter it's still in D anD D it's in five e yeah it's it's so stupid it's so stupid it's like we gotta un- play fourth edition they do stupid. it so good um including things like concentration checks are stupid Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> and <laughs> you dealt me damage across the microphone. <laughs> And like attacks of opportunity are stupid, especially because like it's just that everything in the game gets more and more punishing to the player, like just does more and more psychic damage to the player. The farther you get away from, I'm just going to play a human fighter. Like it really every step you take away from that is worse. Uh, if I was going to play D&D again, I think I'd be like, listen, does anybody want to play an all-human fighter D&D game? <laughs> You'll get three bonus feats. I don't want to know about your stupid spells and your percentage chance. And then, it, like, the fact that this game has stuff for um, cover and concealment 
and then yeah. it, and concealment is a percentage chance, which is I think the only time unified that, mechanics, baby. But I think it's the only time that, but that's the only yeah. time that it's not like it's, yeah, it's, it's an secret. actual that's percentage I mean. as opposed to and concealment is different. It's actually really easy to convert cover. a one hundred roll to a d twenty roll. Yes. You just divide by five. Yeah, game designer tip. But like they're they're on opposing pages, and cover is a reduction to your d20 roll and uh concealment is a percentage after you figure out if your d20 roll hits it's so stupid it's so i can't imagine a worse game feeling than rolling a hit yeah. and then the dm being like let me roll concealment I've and then done you it. miss it's <laughs> fucking horrible which is like half of this game is horrible half of the actual outcomes of rolling dice in dungeons and dragons is boring and dumb like, that's the problem with D&D. It's not that, like, the math doesn't work or the balance isn't there or you can't have a fun build or it's super complicated. Like, none of that. It's that half of the time you roll in D&D and you're like, nothing happens. <laughs> right? Like, that's it. Like, you spend, you lose the spell. Yeah. Or you don't hit. And the, like, I don't know. I think I'm just, like, action economies bother me. Like, everything about this bothers me, right? Like, I played so much of it, and it is for sure embedded into my brain. Um, but the thing, the difference between... This is something that is actually a thing that I hate about new D&D over old D&D, is that the amount of things... Because, you know, it's the... You have your move action, and then you have your primary action or whatever, and this is... this game is like your full action versus your partial actions and then you have bonus yeah. actions which are different than free actions and because everybody wanted power creep uh in fifth edition you just have like 700 million things you can do for a bonus action and that you can also do for free action like there's just like so many options that it becomes really overwhelming to me um which is funny because it's what is enjoyable about playing something like Baldur's Gate <laughs> like in a tactical combat video game those are the things that you want to manage because you're signing up to manage those resources, right? Like that is what the tactical element is, is the managing of resources. And in a video game where it's like many, many of those things are removed from you having to actually like design the character or figure out all of the math of it, it's enjoyable again, or it can be enjoyable again, but it's also not a role-playing game. It's, it's just a tactics. tactical fight game. Yeah, it's a tactical yeah. fight game. Which is good. Like, yeah. yeah. The video, it's a good those video game fun. genre. It's a stupid I've role play game games. genre. <laughs> well, and I've played those board games, you know? Totally. And, like, yeah. 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 I loved Hero Quest when I was a kid. I oh, was, yes. Yeah. I, I, we got to play fourth edition. <laughs> um, Bartland, Maine, 2024. Yeah. Let's fundraise. Let the uh, RTFM con. We can Portland, start. Uh, we can start our, we can start writing our book. <laughs> Yeah. The yeah. wretched use of numbers. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's been 45 minutes. I think we're done. Is there <laughs> anything else? We, there's a hundred. So the, the book is very long. 150 of the pages are spells. Yeah. Which is, which is good. So much. I mean, the spells here are bad, but I am generally in support of a game that has 150 pages of spells, but this is just right. because DCC convinced me that it was good, and maybe it hasn't been good. Maybe it's not good anywhere except DCC. It's, it's 275 pages long, yeah. the book. And they're not like... They're also not like fun descriptions of spells. Yep, it's like very mechanical. Also, the font is really small. Heads up, olds. Fellow olds. I also, again, because I never played spellcasters, the first spellcaster I played was a druid. 
Um, and I'm not convinced that any spell is better than entangle. <laughs> to, entangle is good to this day. I love to entangle somebody and then pop a good berry. Any yeah. game that lets me eat a good berry. Yeah. That's good. That was a, I had, I can only remember a few characters that I played, but one of them I played, I want to say a barbarian. And my whole goal was going the dodge mobility spring attack, roll and attack feet <laughs> train. <laughs> Because then you could get into this wonderful land where you could leap into combat, hit everybody around you, and then leap out. It sounds good. But, it but again, a it requires... To get there. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, whereas the I druid also, that just I... entangled people was better. <laughs> more fun, in fact. <laughs> I did want to say there is a section on alignment. Yeah, let's talk about and alignment. The, I the love game alignment. is expressly... It says, don't play evil characters. This isn't a game for playing evil characters. Like, maybe eventually you can. There's maybe games for that, but like... If you're just starting with some people, you're all going to be good or neutral. And then it presents the traditional three by three alignment thing. And the non-evil ones each end with, this is the best alignment because, and gives like a fun little like, uh, I thought I had it marked. I did not. Neutral good is the best alignment you can be because it means doing what is good without bias towards or against order. Yes. And Lawful Good has one, Lawful, you know, all of them have one. And then the three evil ones have like, this. these are the shittiest people because, you know, they, they do evil using the institutions that already exist, kind of stuff like that. I like that. That's fun. It makes me excited. Lawful it evil feel is the most dangerous alignment because it represents methodical, intentional, and frequently successful evil. Yes. They are very good. Yeah. I almost wish those were the only sentences under each heading. It's so funny because I am, it is my, my toxic D and D character trait. <laughs> my toxic D and D player trait. We've definitely talked about yeah, this. Is that I love alignment. I love alignment. If, if I, if I was taking anything from third edition Dungeons Dragons, it would be alignment and putting it into a game. I love but it I so much. I want people to get funky with it. I want them to change the two words or the two axes. You yeah, know? that's fine. Yeah. I just feel um, like it is so, I don't know. It's like a, it feels there's a like reason, a fun uh, the, internet quiz. Well, that that's you the take. thing. Like there's a reason we all want to align ourselves in those fucking grids when they go around Twitter or whatever. Right. Cause it is like, this is a fun way to think about what motivates me as a person, which is also a fun way to think about what motivates me when I'm playing a character. Yeah. Uh, but so I'm on board for them and I'm, always chaotic good <laughs> sometimes sometimes true neutral but true neutral has become real edgelordy and i feel like that's not it's a, a weird centrist thing yeah, yeah it's a weird yeah. cop out when i was 14 true neutral every once in a while uh, now chaotic fair. good is my is my alignment of choice uh yeah, I mean, the alignment, I like alignment as a system. They also use the alignment to reinforce the generally racist and <laughs> bullshit nonsense of right. the game. So, like, it's not... And certain classes can only be certain alignments. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Also, encumbrance, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> Stupid. I can't remember a single game that we played with encumbrance. Like, I just, like, I, I think half the rule book got booted right out the door instantly. It was the spells, because you didn't play spellcasters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I didn't... Well, that's the thing, is Adam and I would play together, and I would always play whatever big, beefy nonsense, and Adam would play 
the most like beautiful and charismatic spellcaster RPGs have ever known. And then we'd yeah. go to a con and people would be very confused. <laughs> a wretched use of numbers, a magnificent a magnificent use of beef. Yeah. That's our our it's a flip book. Yeah. yeah Since yeah. we're so good at doing flip books now. God. D and D. Are we done? Sure. Oh, oh I do want an appendix now because I, I spent most of today thinking, what is the most D&D ass story to recommend? Oh, I know what it is. I have a good answer. I also have I'm a good ex- answer. And it's not I'm Baldur's Gate 3, although obviously that's that's an easy one. And then we're going to do our, this is fun because we're going to appendix now and then we're going to do our ranking of the games because we're just smushing the season together. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Give me, give me your appendix now. The most D&D ass thing is... ever. Star Wars Rebels, the animated series. Wow. It followed up Clone Wars. Uh, there's a plucky kid who's obviously a rogue. There's a, a, a Jedi who's trying to hide his Jedi-ness, who is kind of a paladin. There's a fighter. There's a droid who's kind of like a, a, a little hacker kind of weirdo. Maybe he's the rogue because he also just fucking murders the most people. Uh, and then there's a pilot who is like uh, the face as well and does a lot of getting their missions and stuff. And it's just the party balance is so good. And the writers do such a good job of putting them in different situations where their like class features shine. Oh, and then there's someone who's like an explosives graffiti artist person uh, who's like high on mobility uh maybe the barbarian actually uh just like running around the battlefield exploding people but the the show does a really good job of like putting them in different situations where okay this is the time for the the jedi person and the explosives person to shine and the other people are like maybe trying to give them small bonuses to their actions through their whatever like it feels like someone's game got turned into a show i think it's also like okay as a show on its own i'm sure there's lists out there for like if you just want to watch 20 episodes instead of all 100 or whatever these are the ones to pick um but yeah it's good uh the jedi is voiced by the guy that played shaggy in the scooby-doo movie oh yeah no wait no shaggy is matthew lillard right it's the fred guy it's freddie prince jr voices the Jedi in this show. And he does a really good job. You are clearly not a 13-year-old girl at any point in time. <laughs> um, anyway, he was Fred, right? No, Fred is I didn't Fred watch Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo. I'm just going to let you flounder in this attempt to, to find Wait, this knowledge. Scooby-Doo was adapted. It was a screenplay by James Gunn, framed of Mar- famed of Marvel. Uh, yeah, Freddie Prince Jr. played Fred. Matthew Lillard of Hacker's and SLC Punk was Shaggy, whose real name is Norville Shaggy, quote, quotation marks, Rogers. Great. Didn't know that. Um, anyway, that's my recommendation. I Maybe I'll watch them. I have not, I I think, not seen them. I, yeah, find a list. There's good stuff in there. Uh, my appendix now is significantly easier to watch. <laughs> good um it's just stardust the movie from 2007 oh i'm a neil gaiman hater i know We're back at this but you should, have you watched this movie i have i read the book i watched the movie i love the movie it's so good how can you hate that movie what i don't know it's, what is i just am bored you i'm bored it's perfect i love the charles vess art 
from the book. I haven't read the book. I just love the movie. The, you watch the book? fucking Michelle Pfeiffer being an angry old witch. Yeah. Trying to I eat mean, Claire Danes' good. heart. All about it. It has the super when she conjures an inn just to be a trap. I'm like, that's some D and D shit right there. Yeah, Robert De Niro is in this movie. Robert De Niro is in this movie. It is a very good movie. It's extremely yeah. good. Uh, uh, Charlie Cox, famed of of Daredevil recently. It's so good. I love it. A lot. Uh, wait, wait, Richard Gervais is in this movie. Mm-hmm. I have seen this. I do not remember that. It's so good. Uh, Rupert Everett. Right. Yeah, all good. It's just enjoyable. Narrated, narrated by Ian McKellen. Yeah. It's just a perfect, wonderful time. To be fair, yeah, I have I been... Just... I am I am on a Neil Gaiman kick. I like everything that Neil Gaiman does. Yeah. Um, I am Good Omens bored. 2 is wonderful. I'm bored by everything Neil Gaiman does. Whatever. You're just removing yourself from experiencing joy. Well, I mean, here's the thing is that when you were, when you were playing Dungeons & Dragons, I was mastering the blade, by which I mean... Reading I Neil was Gaiman. reading literary books and literary fantasy so i was reading shakespeare i was reading neil gaiman and then at night i was going to punk shows and i think what i did was just totally overdosed myself on neil gaiman and ska and pop punk and now i have a really hard time engaging with any of that because i spent six to eight years doing only that yeah that's too much i don't even think you can say you don't like neil gaiman if you spent six to eight years only reading neil gaiman I mean, people go to prison for six to eight years and they're allowed to say they didn't like being in prison. (laughs) That's different than I woke up every day this week and chose to read another Neil Gaiman book. You had control. You had power, Aaron. You had power and you chose to exercise your power to ingest more Neil Gaiman. (laughs) Yeah, I just did it. I reached my limit. Mm. I filled my limit break. That's fair. I do wonder how you'd feel about Good Omens, the TV show, because it... Is like I would engage equal again. parts. I feel like it's equal parts Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett, and then it's also equal parts David Tennant and Michael Sheen. <laughs> yes, it seems like the people involved uh, with the show, like from the writer director level down to the actor level, like have a lot of input on what's going on, and it does interest me. Well, because Michael uh, Sheen is friends with Neil Gaiman, you see. Well, and uh, our previous guest Seb Holiday, who is on our Monster of the Week episode, is often reblogging good omens gifts they look really good it's i, so I mean good. I, i'm it's intrigued extremely good i'm not anti i don't think people are idiots if they like neil gaiman it's just one of those I'm things teasing. where i'm like just i just think don't... about it as a terry pratchett production i don't need it i've I, I have bounced off of every terry pratchett book i've tried to read as well well i'm in a different zone now I maybe in 20 years is this like a bed. self-hate thing because i hate to inform you that a lot of your vibe is very not dissimilar <laughs> the like i'm going to make a, a cultural commentary through bizarreness and humor within yeah. these fantasy trope worlds i don't think i'm funny is the thing but everything you, but... i write is deadpan and people are like this is very funny and i'm like i don't I'm serious. How do I get you to take me serious? There is, when I, I have taken a lot of writing classes in my life, and once a professor was like, you should read this author, Edward Abbey, and I read it, I read it and I hated it because it was a kind of self-hate thing of like, I see so many things that I wish I could do better being done in the same way in this book, and it puts me off of it. So maybe, maybe I wish I was Neil Gaiman on my own without having read Neil Gaiman. I do feel like some of the vibes in the the Neil Gaiman land 
and the Ter- especially in the Neil Gaiman Terry Pratchett overworld like overlap land are pretty. Yeah, I mean, if Neil Gaiman Jason. wants to pay me a million dollars to make the Sandman RPG, no, Sandman. I will say instead go pay Ray Ray Najati and get that. <laughs> Sandman of- to me is one of the worst of the Neil Gaiman. Oh, oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not a Sandman fan. I'm a Neil Gaiman fan. Yeah. I'm not a Sandman fan. Um, also, the American God show is really bad. I love it. I love All what's right. his face. All right. Um, I do. I love American Gods, but I love American Gods. The book is uh, very up there on of the things that I of the, of the I books also, that I really enjoy. American Gods is up there. I also always distrust a storyteller that tells you stories are the most important thing ever. It's like an auto manufacturer who's like, cars are the future of America. You should invest in cars. Yeah. And so when a, when a writer is like, stories are so important, you'd better pay attention and honor stories. I'm like, mm, See, I, I think, think I'm you're okay a with biased. it because they're also like, yes, they are obviously very biased. Uh, entertainment is not the most important thing in any in any of the forms that it shows up. Games, stories movies well so story yeah stories and entertainment can Uh, be separate things i don't know maybe maybe they can't maybe that's just stories wanting to be more important and also classist um right this is my this is my hot take because i have like all of these i have counter will about like the difference between like entertainment and stories to me is the same is the same difference as people who are like well you have to see a musical on stage versus the movie version right like it's just like whatever i don't care about your upper class art is more well i mean trash. part of that too is like theater is not traditionally upper class but has been made into mm-hmm. an upper class thing i love live theater but also i love live theater i also love musical to movies. go to live yeah. theater right yeah. yeah i can't afford it right and that becomes tangled in a whole classist uh, capitalist thing but i do at least enjoy that he seems to be very pushy about the strike Yes, absolutely. Uh, which is great. Right. So at least he's like, well, oh, stories right, are the also, most important thing, a.k.a. fucking pay people, <laughs> a.k.a. Right. labor rights. That is good. But then I just see him, you know, someone's like, I'm doing a GoFundMe to take Neil Gaiman's master class. And he just retweets it. And I'm like, my man, you could just get this person in for free. <laughs> I don't know. You know, and the whole Amanda Palmer thing. is. Oh, I mean, Amanda Palmer is so scary. What is what right. a uh, what a wretched human thumb. What, <laughs> a wretched use of music. What a wretched use of human. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Amanda Power bad. Um, I but I but also I did like when they got publicly divorced at the start of the pandemic. That was a, an entertaining story for me. Perhaps one of Neil Gaiman's most entertaining stories. <laughs> yeah, he's a weird guy. Uh, but I like all the weird shit he does because I think for me, it's there, it is very rare. This is the thing that I think connects for me. It is very rare to get to read fantasy novels that they don't always, they don't always hit this, but are not just steeped horrifically in sexism and racism. That like eliminates 80% of the fantasy drama right out the door. Yeah. And then have some well-written humor in it probably eliminates like another 10 to 15% right out the door (laughs) and then actively embraces politics and queerness. And we're down to like less than 1% of the genre, right? Mm -hmm. Like there are so that's what, I mean, that's what hits both for like Terry Pratchett and uh, Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman's just is a little bit farther ahead. Um, He's also still alive. 
Well, he is, and he is queer. Which allows him to speak to current events yeah, in a way yeah. that Terry Pratchett. And he's, like, did. surrounded by actual queers. Like, it's not a thing. Like, it's there. He, right. this is a part of his experience also. And it yeah, shows and he wrote, in the books, right? Like, like in Sandman, in wrote some pretty wretched portrayals of trans people and black women and stuff. And then has said publicly, like, oh, after I did this, people came to me and said this. Yes. And I, they are right. I, I drop the ball there like I it's it is something that I've tried to do better and again I just don't like totally stuff I am not I don't think he's bad I'm not trying to you know neg people who like his stuff um I would rather have a Neil Gaiman than a ton of other people out there oh I think for Uh, me if there was a breadth of of things that fit that criteria to choose from I don't know where Neil Gaiman would sit right right but like point me in the direction of 10 things that hit all those criteria that like right and we are only in the past 10 years finding or realizing an industry where women and queer people and people of color are getting to write the stories that neil gaiman was allowed to write because he was a cis straight white guy yeah um and so i hope that percentage will only grow in the future i hope it continues to grow maybe i mean book bannings being what they are maybe they won't but um (laughs) Yeah, who knows? I mean, at least they probably won't come from your country. Uh, right. <laughs> Wait, the bannings won't come from our the, country? The authors. Oh, <laughs> right. So, I but hope, I I hope that's not to... true. <laughs> I want my people to do okay. <laughs> I hope that's not true. Um, your people are not doing okay. They're the not. Children no, are absolutely right. not. Yeah. Uh, well, the children, I, some of them are. I don't, it's weird. Weird times. Weird moments. Weird, weird uh, bad moments around. Um, we're done. That's season three. Yeah. This is intermission. Go pause the podcast, go to the bathroom, drink some water. Don't and then read we're gonna steal Neil Gaiman in the bathroom. You can if you want. I've been reading Clive Barker in the bathroom. I... Take a break. We'll be we'll be right back. <laughs> I feel like I need to start reading some Clive Barker, but Yeah. Clive Barker's good. Um should we rank these games? Yeah. We're going from worst to best, right? Sure. Whatever you say. I mean, that's the more, I feel like that's the more fun way. Like if you just give away the, exciting, the best right at the beginning. Right. right. Um, I mean, my worst is, is Dungeons and Dragons. My worst is not Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, no. Is it, can I guess? Yeah. Is it Mutants in the Now? It's not. Whoa. All right. Hit me. Monster of the Week. <laughs> Oh, I thought we talked you round. No, the, ba- the vibes are bad. The vibes are rancid for me and Monster of the Week. Interesting. Uh, yeah, when I, I mean, to be fair, I sprung upon Aaron not one hour ago that we would be doing the ranking of the games um, in this episode. And so it is a panic. It is, it is a gut ranking. It is, right. This is not a well-considered ranking. This is a gut ranking. And my gut said, I don't ever. The game that I want to play the least out of these games is Monster of the Week. That's that's that was my original. Yeah, I don't know. And as always, there's a, a moment in this list where it is like, these are games I don't want to play. And then there's a line which becomes, these are games I absolutely would play if someone said, hey, I'm running X. Yeah. Do you want to play? I'd be like, yeah. Yeah. And the line is high this year. This year. The line this... for me is after this. <laughs> D&D. <laughs> Lol. 3.0, I do not want to play. 
every other game on the ranking, if someone's running it for me, I'd be like, yeah, I'll play this game. I mean, I would play any game if somebody said, yeah, I'm running this and it was good, folks. Yeah. If somebody said, hey, do you want to play Monster of the Week? Or if somebody said, hey, I really want to play a game that is uh, about monsters. I was thinking Monster of the Week. My first response would be like, I'm in. But what about these other games? Yeah. <laughs> Have you considered any other game? Uh, yeah. Well, we're not at the games I want to play yet. My games, wow. I have four games I don't want to play. Okay, well, let's hear another game you don't want to play. Ghostbusters. Oh, I'd, I feel like there might be something strange in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It just, like, I, I don't... It, it didn't spark joy. On It didn't have a lasting joy feel. Like, this is one of those things where, like, I enjoy all of the... When we read books and talk about them, I'm, like, all in for chatting about them. And I have nothing but enjoyable times engaging with them on this podcast. And then I go away, and then it's been a bunch of... A chunk of, chunk of time. And... I think back and I don't think about that game. Like I know I don't look at my game shelf and be like, yeah, I want to yeah. pull that one off it ever. Or like when people are talking about what games you want to play, like it just like doesn't even, especially this season. Cause when I looked at the list, I was like, so many of these games are games I want to play that are fucking amazing. But not Ghostbusters. What's your number nine? Uh, my number 11. Whatever. The next Do one. Do you only have 10 games? No, I didn't count. I just have them okay. organized. 11. <laughs> Sounds great. Um, my next one, and again, this is, I would play it. It's Monster Care Squad. Oh, yeah. The art's so good. I just... Yeah, it didn't click I, for you. I think that vibe is just not for me. Like, again, like, Wander Home, I think, is a similar game in vibe of like wow i have a lot of respect for a lot of the mechanics or the art or the world building but i just i would happily play an hour-long one shot i don't think i would want to play a campaign but i also like didn't grow up with ghibli movies and like pastoral fantasies and stuff like that i think it's just not my vibe yeah great game though recommended uh Previous guest, Pete, who is the teacher, ran it for some students before he moved, and they're, like, continuing it. I love that. I think the audience is out there. They're just not me. Yeah. Like me in Monster of the Week. <laughs> You're a worst game. Yeah, no, it's, it's not true. I like Monster Care Squad. I do not like Monster of the Week. Um, okay. Number 10, then. You have to go two twice in a row, so we flip it around. Wait, but you, did you do number 11? Isn't that my Ghostbusters? Or haven't we I each... thought your worst was Ghostbusters. No, worst was my... Okay, yeah. you're right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't even... We're, again, folks, we're improving this as we go. Um, yeah, I mean, Monster of the Week is my next one. I think there's lots of great moves there. I think it is very accessible to people who have seen X-Files or Supernatural or Buffy and um, I think the game does a good job of tapping into that genre awareness and inviting people into the game. There's absolutely some stuff I would discard. My longest Monster of the Week campaign, people did eventually come to me with complaints about some system stuff, and you know we made some quick, easy changes, and it was good. But like, 
yeah, I think the problems are there. I have not read the, a new edition came out. Um, that seems like it addresses a lot of stuff that people have complained about. Um, so I'm very curious about that as well. I am not curious about that because I can't imagine a world in which Monster of the Week is better than Apocalypse Keys for the kind of game that people want to play that in. I mean, it's just not. There's Apocalypse just nothing. Keys there's is, no is many games away from where we. So are many games right away now, from where so we are. I there can... is no. There is just no contest for me. So like there, yeah. there is no world in which I want to play Monster of the Week because Apocalypse Keys mm. exists and they are yeah, thematically think... similar. They are even mechanically similar. And Apocalypse Keys is just so much better yeah. at everything that that game is trying to do. I think if someone wanted to be Agent Mulder, right? Or the normie guy in Buffy. What's his name? Fred. Freddie Prince Jr. in Buffy. Um, Monster of the Week allows for that apocalypse keys is like no you gotta be a fucked up monster person yeah but then i'm some people in my life kids on bikes which is a little bit leaner than monster of the week all right and still somewhere i mean i'm not playing either of these things and if i don't like that if you want to i'm playing i'm playing himbos if you want to play the idiots of television 90s like that's not so i'm not doing that anyway i guess well that's what i'm saying is like there isn't, I can't think of a pitch that Monster of the Week is the best game that comes to mind <laughs> for me to play that game. What if it's, I want to run Monster of the Week? I mean, that's fine. All right, you're, let's do it right now. What playbook do you pick? You're, at, you're, you're making bad choices, but I will, I will support <laughs> you in you're making bad choices. Uh, um, my next one is Mutants in the Now. Yeah. Just, you know, I want to play Teenage like Mutant Ninja Turtles. I don't want to play Mutants in the Now. Yeah. Uh, have you seen the preview for that new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie? No, I saw somebody complaining about it on Twitter, like not ten minutes before hopping onto the podcast of like, it why would like... you make grim? Like, why would you make dark, sad? Oh, I don't think it's dark, sad. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of a different thing. It's like it looks like funny claymation, but done with a computer, like into the Spider Verse, but claymation. Oh, great! And I'm here like, for it. Yeah, it looks really fun. I've heard only good things. Like two people I know have seen it. I don't think it sounds grim at all like they have real teens as the voices i'm thinking like, like the video game joking. that was just announced oh it's a different thing. yeah don't do grim dark for me mutants in the now this is again the fun thing about doing so we've had a little bit of a hard time by sticking to such similar content i think this season so we mm-hmm. kind of want to like free ourselves a little bit from having to do that oh, the interesting d- thing about it however is that on this list are many moments of if i wanted to play that game i'd play this other game that we also read <laughs> If I want to play Mutants in the Now, I'm playing Slugmaster. If I want to play TMNT, mm. I'm playing Slugmaster. This is not... That's good. Right? Like, that is that is the vibes. <laughs> Before we combine the finale stuff with this last episode, I did want to add a component of rank this game, and then also rate the monsters as fuckable. <laughs> oh, all right. We Which, can just pick well, our top three fuckable monsters after we right, off, yeah, off we'll the top rank, of our head after we get through we'll the We'll rank ratings. the games and then we will just we don't even have to rank because, you know, especially if you're in a polycule, you don't want to rank people, you know, that everyone's got a different yeah. different position. Great. So who's in your but polycule yeah, from the game? We'll, that's the we'll that's talk the about question. some fuckable yeah, monsters. Yeah, it just didn't hit. They're all fine, like whatever. Yeah, yeah. My next one is Mutants in the Now. My I, next one is D D third edition. So all right, yeah, yeah. Uh I love to make characters in Mutants in the now i would happily have two friends over and we each have a copy of the character creations for meets in the now and we talk about our lovely little mutos um 
I love animals. I love pretending to be an animal. You can Maybe take your Mutants of the Now character into your Slugmaster game. That's totally that's, fine. That's a very good... Uh, that's a great combination of technology. Yeah. It's <laughs> a good use of numbers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, mine's uh, D&D. It's not exciting. It's just, yeah, it's just it's, sad above those because... There's some nostalgia emotions. there. Yeah, it's just my feelings. <laughs> it's just my past feelings. This is my point at which I want to play every game after this. Kind of. Hit me with that game you want to play. I mean, the worst, the, the game I want to play, least of the games I want to play is Bluebeard's Bride. <laughs> uh, That's real. I think it, like. It's rough emotional content. Yeah, like, it's like, I think there's things about this game that are, it's, I think there's games, things about this game that are legitimately interesting and, like, yeah. legitimately well designed. I also think there's things about the game that seem hugely silly. Um, well, and, like, if, if some friends come over and they're like, oh, you like role-playing games, do you think we could play one? I would not be like, how about Bluebeard's Bride? No, uh, not even a little bit. I would play Bluebeard's Bride with some friends that I know would find entertainment in just being wretched. Yeah. Like I have a group of safe friends that would be like, we are a wretched be... use of women. Yeah. Bluebeard's Bride. Wretched <laughs> use of women. Okay, good. I want you to make a book, like a supplement <laughs> for Bluebeard's Bride, a wretched use of women. Uh, uh, I did recently read. A collection of Angela Carter short stories. I'd never read her stuff before. And she had a really, uh, actually a couple really cool takes on Bluebeard's Bride. So if you are interested in that kind of, again, maybe uh, Neil Gaiman adjacent, uh, these kinds of retellings of myths or I love historical cycles fantasy. of myths. Yeah. And Check out Angela Carter. She's amazing. Also, I would love more historical fantasy RPGs. I think there's like little ones, but I, I, I feel like they're hard to find because they're really small because people dig into them. But like... Right. Give me that historical fantasy, which is funny because I think that's what like a lot of fantasy RPGs think they're doing, but that's not what I mean. I mean historical right, we're fantasy. We're medieval. <laughs> yeah, I mean historical fantasy, like give me Cersei the RPG, not like yeah. give me fucking European colonialism the RPG. Um I have to go, right? We're yeah. and we're the fifth down? Yes. Ghostbusters. Mm. I love it. I love the uh the idea that you're like franchising from this failing company. <laughs> And you're like, oh, we're Ghostbusters, Duluth, Minnesota. You know, like, uh, we are not the, the, you heard about the guys in New York, we're not them. Uh, we make coffee during the day and then we bust ghosts. That's really fun to me. The dice pool system seems fun. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The phrase bust would, ghosts, I, though. Busting makes me feel good. We know who's in your polycule. Uh, Slimer. <laughs> oh, so I'm in your polycule. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> the my my next one. I don't know. I've just decided I'm pushing us through. My next one is Monsters Care, Care Squad. Okay. Uh, I like it. Yeah, I like. I mean, my there's next... parts about it that I really like. Right, like those events are were really compelling. The events are really good. Are really good, and would be I, are really a thing that I like want to play with i loved you the could pull it out and put it in any game yeah i love the achievements the achievements were yes. also really great like there yeah. was just some yeah. things in it that i was like i love the vibe i love the art i love all those but there were like some actual like like game things in there that like i think were really great again we're in the games that i want to play so right. from here and, on out it's, it's so like funny. i like all these games like this is all these are all good games these are all games that you could give money to too in fact right. once we hit bluebird's bride <laughs> once we're above bluebird's bride because i don't to care about the the indie 
I don't care about those small tier publishing companies. Every other game on my list, I think, is a small as an individual person or team. <laughs> Give them your right. money. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like I'm ranking these on do I want to play them or run them? Yeah. Consistently a lot. But I think if if I were ranking them on is there something in here I would want to pull out and use in a game? Like most of these Yes, I don't know. I feel like so. I'm ranking them on how fast. Like, as we get to the top, it's like, what do I want to run? But once we're not at the top, I'm like, how quickly would I say yes if somebody said I'm running this? Do you want oh, in? Oh, yeah. Because if somebody said good. I'm running Monster Care Squad, do you want in? I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, of course. Whereas if somebody no said I'm running Bluebird's Bride, do you want in? I'd be like, who's playing? Who are you? Uh, what is your right? Like, right, this is fun. Right. I didn't think about that. My next one is Bluebeard's Bride because, like, the vibe is immaculate. Yes, the vibe to is To use a phrase. Um, I, it's just like such an artfully constructed book. I think the way the narrator of the book speaks to you is really impressive. Um, I just, I feel like I have a lot to learn from this book. It's good. Yeah. I don't, I would not want to play it nine days out of 10 because it's very heavy emotionally in a good way. And it, it does exactly what it intends. Maybe we should get Natalie um, to run it for us. Yeah. Well, and my next one similarly is Blood Feud. It's just like amazing. There's so much good stuff in there. I don't know who I would want to play that with. Bloodfeud is so funny to me because I played it with Effective Strangers on stream. <laughs> like, I think it was like... <laughs> right. What a weird experience. Yeah, like one of the... I want to say it's one of the first plus one games, if not the first plus one game, that I, I think it might be the first streamed game I ever did. Like, what a what a weird a weird way to introduce yourself to Bloodfeud. So I have the opposite association with it, where I'm like, no, Blood... Like, Bluebeards, I feel like I need to know who i'm playing it with and blood feud i'm like no blood feud has me like blood feud has the support for me to play this with other people whereas i feel like yeah. Bloodbeards doesn't is a, is that's a differentiation very fair. between them that doesn't mean how that's how everybody would feel but like and that might be after playing it and knowing how it plays i feel like it supports kind of carrying anybody and protecting anybody in that space but yeah it's a good game, regardless. Yeah, I mean, we're in we're in only all 10 10s. Are all we, goods. I don't know where we're at now. Seven? Game number seven? Uh, I have one, two, three, four, five left. Yeah, so seven. Uh, my, uh, uh, yeah, Thousand Year Old Vampire is my next one. That's my next one, too. I, I think we're off one. Like, this is my, I have five after this. I Right, I have four after Thousand Year Old Vampire. Right, but I just so mean, I'm, one ahead I'm not going to yeah. come after you and say, oh, let me reveal my next one. Ah, it's good. I want to play it. I want to play it. I want to be a person who carves out time to play solo games, but I just am yeah, not. Same. Uh, but I think it's very good. I think it's extremely very good. Uh, um, my next one is Blood yeah. Feud, so we just inverted them. <laughs> it's yeah, fine. There we go. Blood Feud. Blood, Feud is, Blood Feud is the only... Well, that's not true. I have now played three of these games i guess i may have played D and monster of the week but of the games that i like i have actually played a few but i think when we recorded the episode blood feud was the only one that i had played before recording the episode and blood feud because i played it i think it really like illuminated what i like it it I don't know. It's Sean. It was like, oh, this works. This works, and this is fun to interact right. with. It's not just like reading this. It's like, no, playing it is really good, actually. Number four. Um, Top number four. four. So, my number, my four through one, interchangeable almost. 
like a hair exactly what uh, I was going uh, to say. Hair's breadth between them. These are all my code number ones. Ask me on any given day. I would move them around. I have a suspicion that our three and four are, the same? are the same, but are inverted, and then our one and two are the same, but maybe are inverted. Right, like these four games, fucking rule. Yeah, I think they're the same. I think they're. The, I, oh, they are. The, they are the same. I'm just curious yeah. about the order. I think. I think that. I think that we might have a slightly different order, and I might know what it well, is. Well, and again, like, we did this on a whim. Yes. And so... But these four... I Even right now, I'm like, us. do I want to change <laughs> these, them? These four, change was, these four were the easiest four for me to be, like, top of the list. Yeah. Um, these four games... Like, th- these are... This is a curriculum of games. Yeah. You could teach a semester of game design with these four. Totally. Uh, from game design from the floor up also like if somebody was like i need to do i want to build out my game collection yes this is a fantastic four games they are so different also which is fun but each contain a fuckable monster (laughs) yeah i mean okay my number four i'm trying to think i'm like i believe you but i think that number four would is not a is not a healthy choice i'll i'll fuck your grandpa yeah i was like this is not this is i mean i know you will but I don't know if that means it's an emotional right. choice. My number four, I mean, I don't know. How do we want to do yeah. this? What's your my number n- four? My number four is Apocalypse Keys. Yeah, my number um, four is Wet Grandpa. Apocalypse Keys was like coming out while I was working on my big PBTA game. And I feel like if it had come out before, I would have just been like, ah, I don't need to make this game. <laughs> like it's it's great. It's perfect. Um, your PB, your again, PBTA is different. They're different games. They're good. They are different. But I, I just mean like... The only, I have people in my life who like would not want to be monsters that have a hard time controlling themselves because of their own life stuff. And so I can't say I would run this game for fucking anyone at any time, but I would say if I had my pick of players and my pick of game, I would pick some players that would vibe with this and run Apocalypse Keys and it would be probably my best gaming experience and so it's yeah. just a weird a i would weird i would play in your apocalypse keys game i feel like oh, it, would it would be, be so extremely good. epic uh mine is white grandpa because it's i mean it's amazing my grandpa's amazing <laughs> it's not there's no again i don't know that i can like make active statements other than like i think the only reason white grandpa would be at the fourth of all of the amazing things is that there's no there's no system for me to latch on to right. and the other three have amazing systems like they have mm-hmm. all like all of these are just extremely vibe filled games that like totally nail every element of the thing they're trying to do it's just that web grandpa doesn't have a system <laughs> yeah these are truly just like mutual first place for me yeah yeah my my number three is apocalypse keys <laughs> okay then yeah. Is yours wet, Grandpa? Did I do it correct? No, oh. no. Uh, I also now, it is funny because I have now played Apocalypse Keys since we recorded the episode. Yes. And it is great. And I am, very. it's very hard for me to play games like that. So I would play it with you. It's funny because Apocalypse Keys is a game that I don't know if I could play with just anybody. It's a very trauma-informed game, I think, in a really intelligent way. Yeah, and it is a game that really wants you to, like, play emotional characters. Mm-hmm. Um, who fuck up oh god like, i played not such just... an asshole and i didn't i don't it's just like it happened and I, the game really wanted the game really supported it happening but yeah because i played the fallen which is like the angel that has fallen yeah. <laughs> whatever but they're kind of just a, an elitist jerk and um luckily the game i was playing was with people that i hadn't uh wasn't with 
wasn't with a whole group of people that I knew. Um, and, uh, and one of the players seemed pretty up for being the person that I just was like constantly treating with disdain <laughs> um, because their character got bonuses when they felt less than and my character got mm. bonuses for like making people feel less than so it was like this whole i don't remember what the exact wording a is real but there was like a synergistic moment <laughs> right i love like a mechanical demeaning. synergy was happening that was supporting that and it was uh very you fun. had a dirty little pig yeah who was happy to be i think i mean i hope so <laughs> I hope, I hope that player wasn't just going along with it, but uh, no, it was. Very... Uh, player, get us, get at us in the comments. Yes. Just kidding. Um, I will never fucking enable comments for this show. <laughs> uh, terrible, but yeah, it's a it's a great game. It's a great game. Yeah, my number three is Slug Blaster, only because my brain is too dumb to keep track of mechanics, and Slug Blaster has a few. I think they're all very good mechanics. I think you if I had currency. my, I think if I had my pizza box gm screen in front of me and the players were all like willing to do their homework and learn the game well it would fire off without a hitch but you know it's it's just sort of like when i hear classic heavy metal rock from the 70s i'm just like whoever's playing this is probably a bad person only because of my previous bad situations with that i think slug blaster is beautiful again so much stuff i want to steal from it the art is amazing. The tone is oh, pitch perfect. Mikey self-inserts. I love it. It's a joy to read. A really fancy new edition is coming that will also include a new updated pizza box, just in case people want to know that there is. Well, I just need to say I'm fucking pissed off because I already got a pizza box. Oh, no, I'm trying to figure out getting an original pizza box <laughs> so that I can collect both of the pizza boxes. Don't even. Yeah. I am yeah. I am going for all the... I will collect every pizza box that Mikey will sell me. No, it's a great game. It's, again, yeah, it's an ex- if someone is like, I want to get into RPGs, yes, get Slug Blaster. Yeah. It's square. It's joyfully square. It is joyfully square. It's, it's flat. It's lovely. Uh, my number two is Bloodbeam Badlands. Oh, all right. Tr- we know. Tr- we we know. know. Yeah, we do know which my number one is. Um, yeah, it's great. I ran it. I ran it since we did it also. So now I've like played right, so I'm many so of these jealous. games. Yeah. Um, it is great. It was super fun to run. It's like very... The mechanics are just like it's just it is it is the best mechanical game on this list just mechanics wise it's the best game on this list for sure because it is so it's so really like nails like just clarity and elegance and ease of use three and then, stats like, fun three currencies and, but like yeah. still modularity still challenge still like some kind of management some like still consequences you know like it's still it's just so good it's so good so stupid good yeah, my number two is what Grandpa. I think we'll get into this a lot more next season, but like OSR stuff lives deeply in my body. Um, wet Grandpa is deep inside you. There, I have a wet Grandpa inside me, and every day he makes me limp out to the porch. My legs hurt because I'm almost forty and I have a hard time getting out of bed, but inside me, the wet Grandpa urges me to stumble out to my concrete steps and yell at kids, do you want to know what the old school revolution is? Um, I love it. I think, I mean, we'll get into OSR stuff more this coming season, but like the print quality of the book, the the binding of the book as well, uh, the images, 
the maps. I just, I want to run it. And also I just want to like read it sometimes. Yeah. And my number one is Bloodbeam Badlands because it's like a tight, good little game. I mean, it is perfect. It is literally perfect. My number one is Slugmaster because it's also perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, all these four games, the last four games are They're all four perfect. Slugmaster is the one that, like, I really liked Bloodbeam Badlands. Slugmaster is a little bit closer to my exact vibe. Yeah. Like, I love chaos and nonsense and comedy. And so that will always tick me a little bit higher. In fact, the top four are kind of ordered for me from least to most comedic chaos. Mm. That's not good. Good way to know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's perfect. I love it. Yeah. This, what this season felt so long. Oh my God. Because so long. <laughs> often we were uninterested in certain parts of certain games, uh, but felt limited by the idea of a quote unquote monster season to like take stuff out, sub stuff in, um, we often had back-to-back long books. So next season is much looser. We're going back to what season one and two were of just like, these are games we're going to read. Some of them we're really excited about. Some we are curious about and might dislike. Um, we're going to do a bit of OSR stuff, but also, you know, it's not going to be ordered. If we read a book that we're not liking, we will fucking shove it down the garbage chute and get something else in there. Um, some big classics. RuneQuest, one of my favorites that I think Max will hate in a, in a good way, right. in an engaging way. Uh, Pasión de las Pasiones by Brendan Leon Gambetta, one of my biggest personal least, inspirations. The least OSR game. <laughs> right. Uh, well, I think I know, I know it could be made. It. Maybe we'll get be into it. But like, it's a fucking great game. Um, PBTA telenovela soap opera stuff like I'm hoping this will just be a much more fun season for us and maybe for listeners if you have been listening and you thought this podcast doesn't bring us as much joy as it used to one our job our job is not to bring you joy two check out our patreon patreon.com slash rtfm cast we each bring a, a different zine to the to the pod every week we do it on alternating weeks and i and i mean it's really it really highlighted what was kind of missing for us i think i think we both had moments where we were like no zine club rules i love this let's bring more of that to the main feed because i right. want to be and it almost excited right. about it i would not be surprised if in a season we switch yeah <laughs> you know someday they may uh, they may invert they may blend together who knows but there's also some other weird stuff on there I have been doing like some solo podcasting. Another one of those is coming up about my like running the game campaign stuff. We have an upcoming video episode about Baldur's Gate three yeah, and computer RPGs. That might come stuff. out tomorrow. That might come out with this episode. We might right. we might Max double has been drop. Sick. Right. It's, it's, uh, uh, but we will still get you. You know, two a month. It's going to happen. Also, we're doing blades as requested by the fans. We're going to oh, do blades. Yes, next. Upcoming I'm yell about it so next much. Season it's in the dark it's gonna be good yeah i don't know it's gonna be a fun time what that's all what monsters would you fuck oh yes uh go to patreon.com slash (laughs) rtfm cast we have a discord link in the description fuck a little monster i mean bluebeard is big up there 
Yeah, big... is that your taste? <laughs> well, I mean, if I get do you a like whole a, buffet, a threatening stranger? If you go to a buffet, you get to eat multiple foods, right? Yeah. I would not go to the Bluebeard restaurant and order one Bluebeard, please. But if I get to have some some pulled pork and some Jello, well, <laughs> and I a mean, we know what the Jello is. That's for sure, Slimer. Uh, what's the <laughs> who's the pulled just, pork here? I mean, hopefully, I'm the pulled pork, just slow roasted and forked. <laughs> um, so dirty. Gotta, I mean, Bluebeard's in my top three. Uh, Blood Beam Badlands Vampire is up there. The post-apocalyptic component is hot for me. Um, and then Apocalypse Keys. Yeah, I mean, Apocalypse Keys is the apparent most Every monster game. in yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Everybody in Apocalypse I'm pretty, also pretty sure everybody I've literally fucked in real life is an Apocalypse Keys character <laughs> in one way or another. So it's not... But the the then, bleed is strong with Apocalypse Right, Keys. my sideboard is Mutants in the Now. Because mm. maybe I'm the secret furry and I just love all these... All these little animals i mean yeah are we all secret furries or did we all were we all raised by 90s cartoons uh right which is the yeah i mean i feel like probably it's apocalypse keys and i'm like susceptible to a sexy vampire but i don't really like i don't i don't search out a sexy vampire also they're usually because they're really they're coming they're coming to you. Yeah, the, the, like the the like wispy vampire thing is not a thing that I am like drawn to. You know, not that vampires can't be whatever, but I feel like the stereotypical vampire is not uh, is not often my jam. See, while you were reading Neil Gaiman, I was reading Anne Rice. Yes, <laughs> so I believe that. Yeah, <laughs> I believe that. Harsh, the rudest thing. <laughs> implicit that you've ever said i mean i'm definitely i feel like i'm definitely gonna bang some weirdos from another planet another dimension though i still slug like blast slug you're gonna get your slug blast i guess that makes me uncomfortable that phrase that phrase worked it, taking slug blaster and then making it an innuendo <laughs> is a game that i want to exist and also makes me feel icky <laughs> both of those things of- <laughs> uh, uh like because it's just so sexual. <laughs> it's just right. extremely sexual. Some things feel like an innuendo, and then every once in a while it's like, this isn't an innuendo. You've you've used a phrase that is dirtier than any other phrase I can currently think of. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, a number of my friends from college are now, like, you know, transitioning or non-binary or whatever. Uh, and one of them, who is coupled with another one of them, recently was like oh look at all these pics from my garden like here's a tomato and here's a pepper and here's a weird unknown bean and i was like oh weird unknown bean (laughs) that's the gender like that's us now um so weird unknown bean yeah uh slug get your slug blasted in the garden of the weird unknown beans wow that's a good thing we're not like on a podcast network i think we'd be pushing up against some some r rated uh, thank podcasts. you to maximumfun.org yeah. <laughs> the employee owned fuckingmachines.com or uh, <laughs> right uh yeah yeah are you ready for uh we're gonna close the episode out yeah do you have a plan in general if you wind up with a fraction round down even if the fraction is one half or larger. For example, if a fireball deals you 17 points of damage, 
but you succeed on your saving throw and only take half damage, you take eight points of damage. Exception. Certain rolls, such as damage and hit points, have a minimum of one. What a dumb game. Bye. (laughs) 